From the creators of Circles of Faith, this is Slices of Life, where friends grow faith, enhance life, and build community together. I'm Kimberly Amici, and I'm here with Elise Daly Parker and Noelle Rhodes. Today, we are discussing the ways we can come alongside a parent of a child with special needs. Noelle's son, Silas, is hearing impaired and as a result has experienced some developmental delays. While it's been both hard and heartbreaking, it's also turned out to be a great adventure that has changed her life forever. It has deepened her faith and has taught her huge lessons. She's here to share her story and talk about the gifts friends and family have given her along the way. But before we get started, let's do what we do each week and ask an in-your-words question. Today, I'd love to hear, ladies, what was your nickname growing up, and do you have one now? When I was growing up, um, I have a sister who is 13 years younger than me. So when she was young, like maybe two or three, she really couldn't say my name, Noelle. So she used to call me Welly. (laughs) And everyone started calling me Welly well into my college years. And um, (laughs) after I got married, I informed the family and friends, please do not call me Welly anymore. <laughs> I don't really like it, you know. But um, did it work? The only, per- uh, the only person that I allow to call me Welly is my dad. Okay. But anybody else, I'm like, don't. And sometimes they, <laughs> they they use it to annoy me. But if my dad, like, he'll write me letters every once in a while, um, and he'll address it to Welly, and that's Aww. okay. He's the only one that's allowed. But if my husband dares to call me that, I'm like. I'll kill him. Not happening. I don't uh, like it. <laughs> see, I thought you were going to say the only one that's allowed to call me that is my husband. No, so I'm surprised. But no. it makes sense that you'd let, allow your dad to still call you that. Yeah. You know, because you're his girl and it's a throwback to when you were little. Yeah, <laughs> little. But anybody else, I feel like they're being like condescending, you know? I yeah. don't know. Mm, yeah. Funny. Yeah. Want me to tell you my nicknames? Yes. Yes. On. Okay. So, um... My mother had called us a lot of nicknames, actually, and <laughs> some of them I won't go into. But um, no, I'm kind of joking. But um, so my so the derivatives of Elise are Lee, Lily, Lisi, and Lilabelle. And I, I'd say my mother probably called me Lilabelle more than any anybody. Wow. My name commonly in my family is Lee. Absolutely, that's what they call me. My sisters particularly and even like my brothers-in-law call me Lee and then my nieces and nephews call me Aunt Lisi and my grandchildren call me Grandma Lisi which is oh I wish I could even think of the way Emma says my name because it's like Baba Geechee or something it's really really funny (laughs) so yeah those are my nicknames how about you Kimberly? Um, Well growing up um, people called me Kim which isn't much of a nickname but uh, my girlfriend in high school started calling me Burr, and she said it was my middle name, Kim Burr Lee. And so she was probably the only one that called me that, and she still calls me that, like, on Facebook or whenever we get together. And it didn't really, like, stick with other people, but it stuck with her. And then my mom will use it sometimes. It usually That's catches cute. me off guard when she uses it because I'm like, it's not really your nickname. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> This doesn't sound yeah. right. Um, well, it's funny. My, my husband has a nickname, Kit, which is actually an Irish. Um, yeah, well, you may yeah. have heard that yeah. in Ireland. Kit, or even Christy, is a, a nickname for Christopher. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, it's funny when Chris says to me, 
hey, this is Kit, like on a phone message or something. I'm like, no, no, you're not Kit to me. <laughs> to your family. And like, I don't, I just don't relate to that nickname. Yeah. Although I like it. It just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And and I just think names are so funny. I always introduce myself as Kimberly, but people will always be like, oh, great, Kim, nice to meet you. And I'm like, I, I'm not really particular. Like, I don't need people to call me Kimberly. Yes. It's just this ongoing thing name. where I, I say it and I just take note of who like just yes. pretends I didn't just say my name who, and who, who listens to change. Yeah. Who chooses to change <laughs> who it? That's a good question. Um, yeah. My husband does. Yeah, I call you Kimberly. I call you Kimberly pretty much all the time. Yeah. Except for except when, when we've got Kimberly, uh, meet um, Kimberly Coyle on the phone and then we, yeah, then you switch it have up. To differentiate, yeah. And my husband calls me Kimbo sometimes. I don't know where he got that from. I don't necessarily <laughs> like it. I think he thinks it's endearing. And like we'll be with people, and he'll say Kimbo, and they'll be like, "What did he just call you?" I'm like, "I, I don't." I mean, I say immediately think of Dumbo. Like I can't, I can't think it's charming. Yeah. But I haven't really put a stop to it because I don't, I don't think it's worth the energy. Yeah, um, that's cute, actually. Kim's cute. It's sweet. Kimbo. That's what we'll do. We'll call you Kimbo and Kimberly uh, Coils oh, on the line. Please don't. <laughs> All right. So um, I'm so excited, Noelle, that you're going to uh, be speaking to us today about yeah. your son and your experience. Um, today's discussion is based on a blog post that Noelle wrote for Circles of Faith called The Five Gifts You Can Give a Parent of a Child with Special Needs. So Noelle, I would love for you to just start off by telling us a little bit about your family's story and how yeah. it began and where you are right now in the journey. Okay. So um, it's kind of a confusing story, so I'll do my best. But um, when Silas was um, born, he was a very, he was a great baby, perfect baby, you know, slept when he was asleep, eat when he was supposed to sleep, never really cried and made a big of a fuss. <clears throat> but when he was around two and a half, I, I felt like he was a little bit behind. He wasn't really speaking. Um, that was kind of really it. He just wasn't, he wasn't really speaking. And, um, but just that time we were moving to a different country we were moving to northern ireland so um i we moved to northern ireland and i took him to the doctors there and they gave him a hearing test and he failed it and i don't really know what happened but i expected them to maybe do another test or to send him to like an audiology clinic or something but they they actually didn't do that um they sent me to an autism clinic and i started the whole there's a whole big assessment that goes on with that. And um, we did the autism clinic assessment, and that was a whole thing I had to go through emotionally. Um, and at the end of the at the end of the assessment, they're like, he's not autistic. And I was like, okay, now what? And they're like, we don't know. They really couldn't point, like, just the way it was set up there, it was like there wasn't a lot of communication between the audiology clinic and the autism clinic. So for f nearly three and a half years, he was passed back and forth to the hearing clinic and the autism clinic. And every time he went to the hearing clinic, he actually was failing his hearing tests. But because of whatever reason it said that he was going to the autism clinic, they just chalked it up to him being quote unquote autistic. And so they never would do like an objective hearing test on him, which would mean that he'd have to be put under and then they go in, they do 
it's kind of like bone conduction test or something. And they never did it. They just kind of like he'd fail the test and they send him to the autism clinic. The autism clinic would say, nope, he doesn't have autism. They send him back to the hearing clinic. And we were new. We were new in the country. We really didn't understand the system. We didn't really know what was going on. And we had to, you know, we had to wait for appointments and sometimes it took a couple months in between appointments it was it was challenging and very frustrating and he in the meantime was not coping well in school um and we didn't know what was wrong and that was kind of like the answer that everyone gave us we don't know what's wrong and what ended up that we were living in belfast at the time and my husband accepted kind of a position at a different church in Derry, Londonderry, and we moved up there, and it was a different kind of um, health system. Uh, and so we moved up there. That When we moved into that kind of system in that school district, they decided um, that it was very confusing, the information they were receiving, because here he's failing all these hearing tests, but then he, was saying, then he was being sent to an autism clinic. It was just confusing. So they decided to do all new tests. And one of those tests included an objective hearing test. And so we went to the hospital. They put him under. And it was from that test that they were able to confirm 100% that he was moderately to profoundly deaf. And when the doctor called us into the room, I think he thought that he was giving us really devastating news. But... If anything, it probably was one of the greatest days of our lives because we finally understood what what was wrong. And he, um, for seven years, was probably struggling with his hearing. Now, if you ask Silas, he will tell you that when he was a little boy, he got really sick and the next morning he woke up and he couldn't hear anymore. That's his story. And looking back now, I do remember a time when he was was around two years old where he got really sick and we had to bring him to the hospital because he was so dehydrated and he, ever since he went to the hospital he never was the same and so he tells us that this was a time where he lost his hearing and I can pinpoint to that time being a time where he really regressed there's a good chance that's probably when he did lose his hearing um, so now we are in the process of just catching up because he lost so many years of education. Um, there's a, a very wide gap. So right now he's in a mainstream school. He has a teacher of the deaf. He is in um, some classes. He's in the, the LD class. Some classes he's in the more mainstream full inclusion class. And he's catching up with reading and math. Um, but what I will say is when he got his hearing aids, within, I would say, three months, his vocabulary had grown a thousand percent. The first day he got his hearing aids, he, I remember it so clearly, he, they, they put the hearing aids in his ears and he was going around to the doctors and nurses going, thank you so much, I can hear. Thank you so much, I can hear. And we got into our house and the very first thing he did was run to the bathroom and turn on the faucet. Hmm. And he said, Mom, I can hear that. And I just thought, how many years when I was running the bath was he wondering what that sounded like? Mm -hmm. And that was the very first thing he turned on when we came home. So it was a big, huge deal. And um, he's doing very well today. Um, Like I said, he has catching up to do. But he's got a big personality and when he was without hearing aids, he was doing a lot of compensating, a lot of coping. He was probably reading lips. 
all different kinds of stuff. But he he's doing good today. There's still there's still some journey there, but he's doing good today. So I have a question. You said he was compensating. Do you think that he's broken those habits, or does he still rely on them sometimes? You know, he's very good about his hearing aids. He really, he really um, utilizes his hearing aids. He doesn't go anywhere without them. Mm-hmm. But sometimes after school, he gets a little bit tired from listening. Because, you know, with hearing aids or with your natural hearing, you can tune out the background noise. Mm-hmm. Okay. But for him, with his kind of hearing loss, he hears everything. Yeah. Like everything. So you have to work really hard. Your brain works overtime to kind of tune that out. And so by the time he comes home from school, he's exhausted. So I usually say to him, Sai, take your hearing aids out for a little bit, place place with some Legos, you know, and he kind of decompresses. So if I walk in the room when he doesn't have his Legos, I make sure that I'm facing him directly. And he can typically read my lips pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like him relying on that, mm-hmm. but if we're at home, it's okay to do that. So right. he doesn't sign, he doesn't do ASL. It's something that we're thinking about for the future. But we were living in Nor- Northern Ireland at the time, and they don't have ASL, they have BSL. So mm-hmm. it was one of those decisions we had to make. We knew he might be coming home to the States. It would be kind of weird for him to have a whole language that he couldn't really use here. So what are the differences? Is it an absolutely different hand language? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And every every country pretty much has their own sign language, which is, which is really cool because it's their own culture then. Wow. I um, didn't know that. Yeah. But if you don't. I mean, it's, it would be, it's difficult if you, if you sign BSL and you live in America, you have to have someone that can interpret for you. <laughs> so we, you know, it gets confusing. Doesn't so we have, yeah. So we have to, we decided to really push for him to try to use speech as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But we think that the ASL is fabulous and we want him to learn it as well. It's just, we really want him to learn to try to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As his main mode. Probably all. Right. And if you do um, this sign language, we'll probably all do that together, yes? Yes, we would have to. And we're looking forward to it. We are. But right now, he's still learning to read. So we're trying to mm. tackle one yeah. thing at a time, we've learned. You know, so idea. right now, it's really important that he learns to read. And I've been thinking, we're kind of both thinking. Around 12, 13, I think would be a good time for him to learn ASL. Mm-hmm. And how so, old is he now? He's going to be 10, you know. So just mm-hmm. gives him a little bit of time to adjust with everything he needs to really adjust for school-wise. But I think it would be a great language for him to have. Mm-hmm. And um, it will be really good for him, you know. And I don't know if he'll ever get married or, you know, I don't know what his life's going to be like. But if he does get married, it will be nice for him and his wife to be able to communicate that way. Like after he comes home from work and he's tired to eliminate frustration, you know, Mm -hmm. but anyways, yeah, what a journey. So I imagine that you, um, are surrounded by friends and family who supported you during this time. And I can imagine that there are a lot of well-intentioned people that uh, (laughs) might say and do the wrong things. We've all been there, done that, I think, on both sides of it, whether it's um, a child with special needs or whether it's death or tragedy or even good things. I think people um, mean well but often don't say or do the right things. And so tell us, um, let's start to talk about some of the things that people can do to support 
parents who have this in their life? Because I know I probably would get it wrong. (laughs) I definitely got it wrong before I had a kid with special needs. (laughs) Definitely. Um, the first thing I wrote was to give a gift of being interested mm-hmm. in that child. And I I wrote that as the first one because I think that for me, sometimes it's really easy to think that here's a parent with a child with special needs. Maybe they don't really want to talk about it. Mm. Um, maybe, you know, or you may think, who am I to ask them about it? You know, you may feel a little funny or uncomfortable. But I've got to tell you that throughout the years, especially years when we didn't really know what was going on, the friends that asked me about it, they didn't realize, but they were they were giving me permission to share what was going on in my heart and in my head. And that was a lifeline for me. I had a few friends who every once in a while would just be like, how's Cy doing? You know, we call Silas Cy because clearly Silas is too long to say, but... Um, <laughs> He would say, they would say, how's Cy doing? And it would just be, it would just be so, um, it would be an opportunity for me to just to share whatever I was feeling or going through in that moment. And sometimes I didn't share because I thought, well, they don't want to hear it. Hmm. They don't want to hear what I'm going through. They may not understand. But when they said, you know, when they showed interest about what, where he was at, it, it was, it was really a huge gift to me because it was as if they were saying, even though I may not relate to you or even may not be going through the same exact thing as you are, you matter enough to me that I want to know. I want to know. And I, I have one friend particularly um, who right now, I mean, anytime she emails me, she lives in Northern Ireland and now I live in the States. She always asks me about Silas and school. And that, if you know me right now in the season life I'm in, it's always Silas and school. Like, you Uh know, working at the IEP and just what's going on there. And we're very, very blessed and fortunate to have a good system in place. But when she asked me about it, it's like, it's so, it's like, wow, she's giving me permission to talk about this thing that she may not understand or be relating to, but she wants to know because she loves me. Mm-hmm. And she loves my kid. So I have to say that that's a big gift you can give people. Just saying, how's it going? How is that therapy working? You mentioned that they're, you're trying a new, new therapy. Or um, how is school going for your child? Is there anything I can do to help you? How do you feel about it? Even asking me how I felt about where he was at was so helpful to me. Because sometimes I needed to ask myself that question and stop and think well, how am I right now with with what's going on? And one of the things I will say is years ago, when we first started doing the journey, I was talking to a dear friend, uh, Seton, who has a child with special needs. And she said to me, Noelle, every season you will mourn. I didn't really know what she meant by that. But now that I've kind of been walking through the journey, I understand that every season we enter, there is... There's rejoicing and there's mourning because I see where he is now, but sometimes I see where he should be and I mourn a little bit. And when she said that to me, I realized that this was normal. But what's great is when my friends ask me, how are you doing? And I have opportunity to kind of share my grief in it Mm -hmm. and share how I feel (laughs) 
sad sometimes. I still feel sad sometimes that there were all those years that we didn't know what was going on. And sometimes I have to really fight that guilt of feeling like I should have done more, that maybe we should just move back to the States at that time and got it sorted. I mean, there's tons of stuff that I that trust me, I, I, I deal with on a daily basis and have to bring it to Jesus. But having the ability to talk, talk it out loud with a friend, gosh, that is that is a huge gift. But that begins with someone saying, I'm interested in knowing. Yeah. And I like uh, specific questions. It sounded like friends of yours were asking very specific things, which really opened yeah. the door for you. Well, rather signaled you that you could talk. That, yeah. that they weren't looking for just some... Yeah, you know, oh, everything's fine, or it's it's hard, but it's good that you were. They were looking for real answers from you. Yeah, and that's a really good thing you said because there'll be times where they'll say, "Oh, how side," and be like, "He's good," right. because maybe, I, maybe I felt a little bit, maybe was hesitant to share, but, but then when they followed up with, "Well, how's school going?" or "How's his hearing aids working?" then it, it prompted me to go deeper and it really affirmed that they really did want to know. They weren't yeah. just asking to be nice. Yeah. And even asking you about your feelings, taking it a step further and realizing that Silas is having a rough time, but you're having a rough time too. Yeah. 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 Huge. Yeah. So the second point you made was the gift of asking and not assuming. So kind of related to what we've already so- talked about, but why don't you um, a little bit f- this- talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I would say this is more. Um, I think people, from in our in our experience, they would just kind of assume what he could and couldn't do, and sometimes then it got a little bit awkward. Like sometimes I would see, you know, people were talking to him and they'd be like fake sign languaging to him. <laughs> oh my gosh! Because and I'd be like, he can hear you. <laughs> you know, things like that. You know, and gosh, people. I'm. I don't want to sound like I'm making fun of people, but. I think it does. It does kind of help if you sort of ask, like, "Well, can he hear? What can he hear? How close do I need to be when I'm speaking to him? Um, is it going to be okay if he comes to this birthday party? You know, and there's a lot of noise going on. Is there something we can do? Those questions are really good. Like, I'm talking specific questions to his particular condition. And yeah. any child with special needs, I'm sure, I, I'm, I'm safe to say this that any child with special needs or a parent of a child with special needs would say that their child is not like any other child. It's so unique. You know, right. you take a one child with autism and send them next to another child with autism. They will, could look completely different and have completely different um, abilities and completely different issues. So you can't just assume that every special needs child is the same. Mm-hmm. So it's important to ask, well, mm-hmm. Well, is this loud noise going to bother him? Because some people, interestingly enough, will think, well, this, these loud noises are not, not really going to bother Silas because he's hearing impaired. But actually, if he's wearing his hearing needs and everyone is screaming, he does, he can't hear anything. Mm. He just hears loud noise. Yeah. So, mm. you know, I got to say, we have some great friends who are very um, careful and sensitive. And they would always ask me, like, Noelle, is this okay? Is this music too loud? You know, should I should I be signing to him if he doesn't understand? And there are times where I I would say to people, if Silas trying to communicate something and you don't understand what he's saying, because the speech is a little bit delayed, you know, feel free to give him a piece of paper and a pen, and he can draw it for you. And that's really worked well because it eliminates the frustration and helps my kid connect to them. Mm-hmm. So 
we've had some friends that just have really been good about asking the questions so they're prepared to relate to him but not just assume this is how he is yeah gosh i feel yeah. like i i don't know the questions to ask like i don't know what i don't know like i don't i, I don't you know <laughs> yeah, you know what no, i mean I like as my experience with friends gets more and more then i know to ask for it but you know, number one, I'm, I'm hesitant to ask questions like that. Yeah. Um, because I'm not sure they want me to, but obviously parents do. They want you to be interested and to ask lots of questions. But even like, for example, my mother-in-law, she wears hearing aids and this is kind of a new thing for her. And we went out to a restaurant one day and the the noise in the background was so bad. And I didn't think like yeah. that, that, that din in the background and the clinking of everything. And, you know, cause some restaurants are, um, have different acoustics. Some yeah. are meant for you to, um, be stimulated by the noise and to move on and, and yeah. eat and leave. And then there's other restaurants where the acoustics are such that, um, they want you to have a quiet conversation and they want you to linger and they want you to stay. And so to her, now I'm aware Maybe this restaurant doesn't make sense for us to go, even though the food's amazing because it's yeah. a little, right. So, no, but right. I didn't know that yeah. I should I be asking her that question because yeah. I've never had experience yeah. with it before. So, you know, it's yes, asking the questions is great, and um, you know, maybe even saying, "Hey, what do I need to know?" to your friend, yeah, is good. Sometimes I would ask because you know, my you know, Silas is hearing impaired, but he has a lot of friends who are autistic or have ADD, um, and I'll ask parents like, "What does your ch- child like to do what does your child not like and between those two questions i can kind of figure out you know what will be helpful if a child doesn't like loud noises or they may say well my child really doesn't like when blah 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 you know maybe it would be something i know i shouldn't say that blah blah blah, but like my child may i I don't want to be too specific to make anyone feel bad but my child doesn't really like it when everyone's running around and there's a lot of like commotion then I'll know, okay, maybe we'll play Duck, Duck, Goose. And it's not every child's running around Mm -hmm. playing tag, but one person's running around and they can Mm -hmm. kind of know what's going on. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think a lot of what you're saying is that it's very individualized. Um, That's one of the things that we really need to pay attention to, that we can't make a lot of assumptions about any child. Yeah, Because their special needs are, they're still an individual child. Who happens to have special needs so so that just automatically brings a whole set of um you know a person <laughs> yeah exactly. and and i think it's true too even of the parents you know they've found their way into helping their child um best navigate this world and so they're the they're the, the right person to yeah, ask they're the experts i think on their yeah, child think, yeah yeah and so um i think that i think maybe one of the most important things is to recognize that you know noelle is a person she's a mom she has her way of parenting along with her husband and silas is a child <laughs> and yeah. he's an individual just like every other child yeah. and he has this um this hearing impairment and this is how we navigate that part of of who he is i don't know it's mm-hmm. it's it's very interesting and, I, and of course i'm thinking too um you know for people who don't really know you um I don't know how, how how many questions do you want to hear from them? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, like even like for instance, as coaches, when I first met as coaches, they would say, "What's the best way to get Silas's attention?" Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. great. That you know That's things good. like that um, is helpful as opposed to just them 
screaming down the field. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And loud at Silas. <laughs> yeah, and assuming that's going to get their attention. You know, yeah. but the coach said, "What's the best way to get?" And I'm like, "You're going to have to actually physically touch his shoulder." And Right. Good to know. Since mm-hmm. then, it's been really good. So, as that, you know, yeah. but I think, Leach, you're right. Every child is individual, and every child needs to be approached with that in mind. You know, mm-hmm. what works for one kid isn't going to work for the next kid. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, I know that we're not supposed to assume, but this is um, a personal question, as I'm, I'm assuming many yeah. parents probably have a different opinion. Um, yeah. but would you rather people assume that he can do more or less? That's a good question. Oh, that's a very good question. I, I, I think I, I would assume that he could do more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's that's probably a really. That's my opinion. Um, yeah. 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 I'd rather them. I'd rather them to have a, a higher expectation of him than a lower one and if and if that expectation needs to be adjusted you know i have no problem addressing that mm-hmm. but that's good I, I think kids always surprise us so. yeah the third gift you mentioned is the gift of celebrating talk to us yes. more about that yeah uh my friends have been so good about this i've i can't even i might get choked up a little bit but Anytime Silas has, like, done something, you know, has crossed a milestone or has accomplished something, our friends have been really amazing at just celebrating him. And I remember Silas one time said the word school really clearly because it's a hard word for him to say. And I was talking to a friend on on Skype. I was living in Northern Ireland, and it was my friend Jamie. And he had been practicing it, and I said, Silas, come here and show Jamie how you can say school. And he went, school. And she was just like, she just kind of erupted and just rejoicing with us and celebrating with us. And all, all of our friends have done that. All of our friends have done that for us. Um, they've just been really good at celebrating every little thing. Mm-hmm. And I can't, that has been a huge, huge gift to me and Troy particularly. We've had friends. I remember one time, uh, Silas was in a little school play, and I was very, very nervous. I don't know if I've shared the story before, but I was very, very nervous about it because he had to actually say a line. And this was a time that speech was really bad, and we'd practice this line every night. I mean, he was very nervous about it. And we were living in Northern Ireland, so my family wasn't with me. And I and for for some reason, Troy was not going to be able to attend the little school play with me. And so I asked my friend Jeannie, I said, Jeannie, is there any way you could come with me? Because I'm I'm, I'm afraid that he's going to say this line and people are going to laugh, like the kids in the school. And she said, absolutely, I'll be there. And we sat in the row and he got up and I and his line was the very first line. And he got up to the mic and he said, my, hi, I'm Silas Rhodes and you're very welcome to our school assembly. And the whole school erupted and and applause and stood on their feet and because the school had been kind of journeying with us this time and the whole school stood on their feet and started applauding him and I was so glad that Jeannie was there to see that with me and to celebrate that with me Mm -hmm. because I would have been alone 
And she was able to tell Troy about it and other people about it. And it just blessed me so much that together we were there celebrating this. Mm-hmm. Very, it may seem like a very small thing, but it was a huge thing to me. This kid who could not speak until he was seven mm. said his line clearly. And that his whole school stood up and honored him. Mm-hmm. And um, Sounds like a movie. Yeah, <laughs> but there's been tons of times where we've had that. Even, you know, even this week alone, we had a study for a social studies test that felt like it felt like I was studying for brain surgery with him. <laughs> so <laughs> third grade is so hard, especially mm. with me. I don't do science. I don't do social studies. It's the only I can do. But everything else, mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't understand this. But you know, we it was hard for him. This is something that's really hard for him, and he came off the bus. <laughs> And he's like, Mom, I'm smart. And he pulls out his test and he got like a like a B. You know, it'd be the equivalent to a B. Mm-hmm. But I, we were, were so excited for him. And he went to my mom's house afterwards and he pulled out the test. And everybody celebrated it, this accomplishment. And it's such a gift that, that people are able to step into that and to rejoice with us. You know, it says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn mm-hmm. with those who mourn. Mm-hmm. And what an opportunity. And I'm so glad that this house has tons of fans that are willing to take notice when he is making improvements. It's, it's yeah. a huge gift to us. Yeah, that's awesome. That's beautiful. Well, I'm a big fan of celebrating things anyways. I mean, not just because it's fun, and it, but it's such yeah. a, it's so great to use celebration as a way to rejoice over the milestones and rejoice over these little victories. I once heard, um, I was listening to a productivity podcast. I don't remember who they were speaking to, but they asked the question, like, when you're done with a big project, do you go out and celebrate? And they said, no, I don't. I celebrate the progress that I make along the way. And then because if I waited only to celebrate at the end, if the project doesn't go well, then then I I can't feel good about it. Right. Yeah. So if, if, we, if everything is, is all about the success or the failure of this completed project and you're not celebrating yeah. your milestones and the journey along the way, you can't sustain that. It becomes like this emotional up and down where you're only happy when things go really, really well instead of just celebrating the things along the way that have got you to accomplish something. You know, and yeah. I think that that's such a so so much better and so much more sustainable because I think that it just um, I don't know, it gives hope, which is your next gift. The, yeah, the, the gift of giving hope and not overloading information. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the overloading information is very easy to do, and you don't realize you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And I know that I, I certainly was guilty of this. And only until I had a child of, of my own that had special needs did I realize, wow, this is really not helpful when people send me journal articles or the latest supplements or therapies. Or, or let me tell you something. If you have a child with special needs, you are already doing your homework. Nine times out of ten, you are looking up the latest and trying to find out what's best for your kid. There were countless, countless nights I was up to four o'clock in the morning looking through the internet to figure out what was wrong with him. And Troy and I, I mean, just trust me, there was a lot of information that we had to process. Even after we got the diagnosis of him being hearing impaired we had to learn that whole world and we're still learning it so when people come to me and they're like well why aren't you doing asl right now why aren't you know why don't you send him to a school that's for the children of the deaf i read this and i read that it's it's not that it's just not helpful mm-hmm. to you know 
be overloading me with more information I need to process instead of just standing with me and supporting me and instead of constantly challenging me about what's happening in the present I would rather be challenged about what's going to happen in the future and I remember uh, um, several times my friends have been so good at being like Noel you see how Silas is compassionate and you see how he's really good with babies and people who are older God's going to use that in the future for something I have a lot of hope that God is going to, you know, use him to really um, be used to to love people who may be difficult to love at times or may be vulnerable or just different things like that. So in, instead of them being like, have you thought about this? Um, I'd rather them ask me, have, remind me to think about the hope I have for mm. the future mm-hmm. and what God's going to do. And... Yeah, I mean, I mean that's a tough one. We've talked about yeah. that before in terms of friendship, people yeah. in our lives that are constantly saying, "Well, did you do this? Why don't you do this? Did you do this?" And they're constantly giving yeah. you advice that you haven't asked for. I mean, I, I think that there, are, and I mentioned this in another podcast. I do have a few friends, and I know every time we get together, we're like trying to figure out how we can do something better. Like it's part of yeah. our relationship, so that that's okay. But then I have other relationships where I'm like you know, don't, don't, don't try to fix my problem. Just listen to me. Don't give me advice unless I ask for it. And sometimes I do say, well, what do you think about this? And then that's a great Mm -hmm. opportunity for someone to say, oh, well, I think I I read something that might be helpful to you. But I I think that that really the ability to do that only comes from relationship and it comes from what you mentioned earlier asking questions and being interested if there's an established relationship where they've asked you the questions then they don't need to challenge you and say well why aren't you teaching them that they don't need to 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 fill in the gaps because they already know that you're reading everything that you need to read on the situation yeah definitely i mean there you know, there have been times where people have just skipped the asking and and are being interested, and they've just been sending us like internet links to things, or they then they've been like, "You really need to watch this documentary about why children lose their hearing." And then it's like, you know, that that doesn't always help me because it made me invoke a lot of guilt as to why my child's lost. Is, is that making any sense? Like, yeah, you know. Yeah. Stop giving your kids dairy because it's causing everyone to become autistic or like that kind of stuff is not helpful. And it's trust me, it's stuff that I've already like have abused myself with. So I I really need people to actually speak hope, you know, like that's what I need. I need my friends to be like, Noel, he's struggling with reading now. But you know what? This is a part of his story. And Mm -hmm. God gave me this. The other thing I want to say and it goes to this point, is that when he was first born, God really spoke very clearly to me about Silas and why we were giving him the name Silas. Because when in Acts, when we read about Silas the first time, because Silas is a Bible character, and he was a good friend of Paul, who went through a lot of, he went through a lot of hard things with Paul. But when you first read about Silas, it says that he was a man of many words who encouraged the brothers and sisters. And when he was going through this whole thing and he wasn't really speaking, I used to be like, Lord, you wow. said he was going to be a man of many words. Mm. And I would struggle with that. And I had very good friends who constantly said, nope, if this is what God said, then you mm. need to believe that. Yeah. And you need to believe that right now he may not be a man of many words, but he's going to be a man who is going to, God's going to give him many words and he's going to be an encouragement to people. Mm-hmm. So what's happening now is part of the story. 
Mm. What ha- what's happening now may make the night look very dark, but in the future, those stars are going to shine bright because of his story. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I could... I can name you so many people who have done that for me and who have written me notes or have called me or have hugged me when I've been crying and worried about him and just Mm -hmm. said, no, Noel, I know it's hard now, but there is hope and God Mm -hmm. is going to use him. And, and they didn't try to explain to me why Silas was like this, but they just spoke hope Mm -hmm. after hope after hope. Faith. And what a gift. Yeah. What a gift. And you get weary. Let me tell you something. I I wish I could say that every day I'm like, yes, like Silas is going to overcome this in Jesus' name. There are some days I'm like, I don't know. He's not. I don't know how he's going to get through this science test. Like honestly, like I'm. I don't have a lot of hope, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's been those friends that have stepped up and said, today does not determine what's happening in the future. You know what God has said. You just keep pressing on. You keep pushing forward. You keep believing, and. And, and let me tell you something. I did not think that this kid would ever be able to do what he's been doing today. Mm-hmm. Praise God. So, you know, and I have to say it's really because I had good people in my life that did not let me give up. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you can never go wrong speaking God's word over a child yeah. or even over us, ourselves or sure. you. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's really um, also a good opportunity, a good reminder to think about. You know, we really have to look back on God's faithfulness. Life yeah. is a journey, and when we're in a place that's scary and unknown, like you were with Silas, and like yeah. you sometimes feel like you still are with Silas, yeah, it's it's really important to look back and see. Okay, all right, we have, we really have made tremendous progress, and He's doing things that we never could have imagined He would do. But yeah, that is talk about a reason to celebrate. That is a reason yeah. to celebrate. Yeah. And also, whose report will you believe, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So the final gift is the gift of prayer. Yes. This may seem like a silly thing, you know. Sometimes as people, as Christians or believers, I think we could we think that's an easy given. But I would... <laughs> a lot of us will say, oh, I'll pray for you. But how many of us really do? And I have a few friends who have really committed to pray for Silas mm. and the power of their prayers. I, I can't even, I can't. I had a friend who, um, who said, you know what, I'm going to give up soda this year and um, I'm going to pray for Silas. Like that was kind of her way of, you know, just sort of committing time and setting apart that time. Mm-hmm. And that year was the year that we moved from Belfast to Derry. That was the year that we that he was diagnosed mm-hmm. as hearing impaired. That was a year that he his his speech was released to him. That we were able to put in the put him in the right direction to get the right care. Um, I can't like I I really believe that because she committed to pray, those doors were open to us. Mm-hmm. And. You know, the Bible talks really clearly about the power of prayer when two or three or more gathered. I mean, you can't get more clear about it, but we just sometimes think it's a given, you know, that everyone's doing this. But when there's a group of people that set that time aside to pray for your kid, I really believe that something happens and something shifts. And the Lord is moved by that. And I always think about <clears throat> the story of the of the 
the man who um, was a was on the mat and he couldn't move, and his friends brought him to Jesus, but there was too much too many people in the house, and so they carried him up to the roof, and then they they broke the roof and they lowered him down to Jesus. And I think that's really what prayer is like with a child's special needs is, is the group of people are coming together and they're carrying this child to the Lord. And there's all these obstacles yeah. are there. The room can feel too full. And, but when you, the prayer is breaking down that roof and lowering that child directly to Jesus. And that man was healed and that man was set free. And I really believe that's what prayer does. And so I've had friends who have really come alongside me and prayed. I can think of my friend Lori. Many times she prayed for me, my friend Sharon, Kim, Kimberly. There's just tons of people in my life, Jamie and Jenny, who have prayed for me when I went into IEP meetings, to doctor's meetings, um, when he got his hearing aids, uh, times where we're figuring out school, when his hearing aids weren't working, we had changed the hearing aids this summer, <laughs> like all these things. And they've been like, I'm going to pray about this. And you know what? Something always happened. Mm-hmm. Something shifted. And some some of my friends, they pray for complete healing. Some of my friends pray for um, God to send us the right people. Some of my, my friends pray for God to use Silas in his disability. But I can tell you that God has answered their prayers in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And for me to be the only one praying about it, that even that's overwhelming. But to know that I have friends who have made this their burden as well, and that they're talking to Jesus about this as well, Mm. is it 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 frees me a little bit i feel like so much lighter and it's great it's great and then when we do have opportunity to celebrate it's awesome because they've been praying about it they've been speaking Mm -hmm. hope about it they've been they have been asking me about it they've been interested about about Uh it you know Uh and it's the prayers the culmination of everything so i would definitely say if you have a friend who's a child special needs tell her or him that you are praying for this child, what exactly you are praying for, mm. and even like when you're going to pray, because that will really bless them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't just say, "Oh, I'll pray for you." Say, you know, I'm going to pray I'm, on Wednesdays. I'm going to pray for him at twelve o'clock, and um, I'm going to be praying that this school situation is resolved. Mm-hmm. You, that's like a lifeline to those parents. Yeah. A lifeline. That's great. You know, the whole I I know we talk about moms in prayer a lot but it's so near and dear to my heart. And that whole mat concept, I learned that whole mat concept through Moms in Prayer at a big conference I went to years ago. I mean, I think it was the 15th anniversary of Moms in Prayer, and it's now, you know, 30 or 35 years old. But that idea that this community is bringing your child before Jesus, it's just incredibly powerful. And, um, And to have that, no matter who your child is, is extraordinary. But again, to have it when you're, you know, you're really having questions about what is going to happen to my child. I mean, that's just, I just loved hearing that. I'm already thinking about who I can pray for and how I can pray for them and and ways to incorporate that burden into my prayer life. That's great. All right, Noelle. Well, thank you so much for sharing this list with us. I hope it helps our listeners. The things you mentioned today are so simple, but frankly, they're not always obvious. And so I appreciate you taking the time to point them out to us. Um, As we talked about in previous podcasts, successful relationships require intention and having this particular information can help us support those in our life that are parents of a child with special needs. Ladies, can you just let us know where we can find you? 
You can find me at noelroads.com and also at friendingpodcast.com and friendingpod at Twitter and Instagram. And Elise? You can find me at elisedalyparker.com on Twitter and Instagram at Elise Daly Parker. And I have a Facebook page, Elise Daly Parker, editor, writer, coach. So hope to see you there. <laughs> and I'm at KimberlyAmici.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Kimberly Amici and on Facebook as Living in the Sweet Spot. So we wrap up this episode today. And just to remind you that everything you heard here today can be found in the show notes, including a link to the original article that Noelle wrote, Five Gifts You Can Give a Parent of a Child with Special Needs. When you subscribe to our newsletter at circlesoffaith.org, you'll get the show notes, additional content, bonus episode, and resources delivered right to your inbox. And we'd love to hear what you think of the show. You can let us know on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as Circles of Faith. Also, we hope you subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss an episode.